0: Hi, it's Tony Bruschi from the Grave Talks. If you're liking this program, I invite you to become a Gravekeeper. That is a supporter of this program. You are the folks who will financially allow this show to continue going forward. Five dollars a month gets you access to advanced episodes of the show as I create them. Typically, two, three, four, five, six, sometimes even more episodes in advance, available exclusively for our Gravekeeper members. Plus, exclusive interview. Segments that are not going to be available to the public, only to gravekeepers. Typically, an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes of interview time with future guests of our show going forward. It's exclusive content, it's advanced content, and it's only for gravekeepers who are helping to keep the show on the air. It takes a tremendous amount of time every single week for me to put this show together, get it up, get it on the air, uh, have it hosted, bandwidth, all of that. And I love doing it, but we do need to make sure it's financially viable. In at least to support the costs of running this thing. So if you like the show, please consider becoming a gravekeeper through our website, thegravetalks.com or patreon.com slash thegravetalks. $5 a month, get advanced access and exclusive content as well to keep this show on the air. Thank you for your support. I hope you enjoy it just as much as I do. Check it out, thegravetalks.com or patreon.com slash thegravetalks. And thank you for your support. Today on The Grave Talks, the Bothell Hell House. I've talked to countless individuals, families, and investigators about their haunting encounters, and quite honestly... The story of the Bothell Hell House is one of the most terrifying I've ever heard. I can't recall a case where so many dark and seemingly demonic signs and actions were taken against the living with such force and hate. This is truly a stunning case about pure evil and this desire to wreak havoc on the lives of the living. In 2012, Keith Linder and his girlfriend moved into what seemed like any other normal house in the Seattle suburb of Bothell. The phenomena they witnessed and fell victim to was truly horrific. Dark and overwhelming interactions with unexplained forces would change their lives forever and leave many in the paranormal community perplexed and questioning how such extremes could happen to one family alone. This is their true story. The story of Keith Linder and the Bottle Hell House.
1: Me and my girlfriend found this house probably February, March of 2012 on Craigslist. And um, I emailed the homeowner, it was a rental, and he told us the house was still being lived in, but he put it out there because there's going to be a vacancy in May. Uh, He contacted us again about April, and we came in two weeks after that to view the house, look at the house, me and my girlfriend. And um, we qualified, and we moved in May 1st of 2012.
0: When you saw the house for the first time, did you get a chance to tour it? Did you get a chance to see it before you actually moved in, or how did that happen?
1: Yeah, he gave us a two-story house. So mm-hmm. he gave us a tour of upstairs, downstairs, um, new house. I mean, the house was built in 2005. Uh, the neighborhood it sits in was built in 2005. I mean, it was one of those houses you just have to fall in love with the minute you see it. And yeah, he gave us a tour. It was empty. It was moved out. And within about two weeks, uh, we moved in.
0: So to anybody, it would just feel like a normal fairly modern, fairly new house. Is that the the vibe you were getting?
1: Yeah, new house, new neighborhood. I mean, it was almost cookie-cut cliche. The kids are outside on tricycles, playing hopscotch, and you got this nice house. And we have no kids, we have no pets. It's a fairly big house. I think it's four bedrooms, two and a half bath. And um, we both liked it, we both got excited about it. And um, yeah, when he told us that he would like for us to live there, Um, yeah, we were ecstatic.
0: So nothing feeling weird about this at all. It was a happy time. It was, hey, we're getting this house. This is going to be great. Nice neighborhood. Nice house. Nice people. All that. Nothing (laughs) weird.
1: Yeah, no vibe, no, no weird energy, no, hey, a, a door just slammed downstairs <laughs> or, 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 or something to make us be like, what? But no, totally, I mean, they, the ghosts per se were just shutting up at that time.
0: Yeah, not even on the radar of, of, of what you were thinking. So you get into yeah. the house, you move in. How is life? What, what, what transpires at the
1: beginning? Well, interesting enough, um, what transpired happened on the day we got the keys to the house. We, didn't, we haven't even moved in yet. Uh, May 1st, we come in to sign the papers, and um, the homeowner gives us the keys, shows us the house again, tells us the lay of the land, and then he leaves. So now it's just me and my girlfriend in this empty house. And we've never been in the house by ourselves before, so we're once again excited. But we're sitting down on the carpet in the living room talking about which room is going to be used for what. And just out of the blue, in the middle of our conversation, we hear a kid cough. And it was very weird. It echoed. The house is empty. There's no lights or power on. So things can pretty much bounce off any wall it wants to. And it was very real because Tina looked at me, I looked at her, and we both said at the same exact time, I kid you not, was that a kid cough? And it sounded like, I mean, it should sound like it was a kid in a room somewhere. That's how real it sounded. I mean, you would almost want to stop what you're doing and go investigate because you would think, oh, somebody's here. But uh, we didn't do that. We just shrugged it off because it that noise had to have come from outside, even though it felt very close to us. So we shrugged it off. Um, a week or two later, uh, we're moving in and um, just started noticing objects missing. Uh, my first set of car keys <clears throat> disappeared. Uh, these are my spare keys that I had tucked away in a glove compartment box. And Tina started noticing her jewelry. And she would come ask me hey have you seen this have you seen that Uh, i would say no uh then we both started noticing at the same time our silverware i mean we constantly were finding ourselves looking for silverware in the morning or night when we have dinner and it seems like our supply of fork knives and spoons were lessening so that was kind of interesting but once again we're not connecting the dots we're just thinking because we've only been in the house a short period of time things get lost during the move you know things just get lost and maybe over time they would just start reappearing you know like normal moving things normally reappear um then about two months in we're watching tv me and tina in the living room or the den i should say and tina has this plant it's like a four foot tall plant that stands next to the entertainment center stands on the floor and as we're watching netflix um, all of a sudden this plant rises up into the air darts up into the air and does a 360 degree spin and then kills over and falls to the floor and we're looking at the tv so you can't miss it i mean it's sitting right next to the television and we saw it at the same time and me and Tina looked at each other again, and we like had that look of, did that just happen? And I, I kid you not, we really thought we were being pranked or punked or fooled or this is a tenant's teenage son or daughter who's pranking the new tenants. We really thought somebody was really having a good time at our expense. So we rushed over to the plant looking for a remote control device Wire, string, anything that would be like, aha, okay, fun is over. And we didn't find none of that. And uh, we looked at each other again, and that's when it rung a bell in our heads of, I think we have a ghost here.
0: And what was your your thought process at that point? I mean, what was what was your thoughts on ghosts at that point? That should really be the first question. Did you believe in ghosts? What were what was going through your mind?
1: Um, I was always fifty fifty. I mean, I've, I know ghost stories. I've never had the experience prior to this house. Um, <clears throat> I like a good scary story every now and then like everybody else. Um, my thought process then and there was, okay, if we have a ghost. It obviously has to be friendly because look what's happened so far because me and Tina immediately went back to the kid cough and the items missing. And keep in mind, we're also now at this stage, items are appearing in the house that neither one of us owns. So we're having kid toys disappear out of nowhere or you wake up in the morning, come downstairs, there's a kid toy on the staircase, coffee table, kitchen countertop. So we we're starting to think, okay, we have a kid ghost. This is a, this is a friendly ghost. That's the only ghost I know at the time. And uh, it was just weird. And we went to the internet. I mean, we have no experience with ghosts. What to do if you have one. Um, so we just start Googling kid ghosts. What does that mean? Uh, and, 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 and the internet tells you various things. Our oh, kids' spirits are friendly. They're lost. They're confused. Maybe a kid died in the house. Maybe a kid died on the street outside or, or whatever, and you have to be nice to them, be friendly, um, and try to help them into the light. And that was, that's the advice we we're getting from the internet, and by internet I mean paranormal sites.
0: Sure. So you're thinking, you know, if anything, this is just it's like a child, like a living child. You want to be yeah. helpful. You're you're you know, you're you're the adult. You're trying to help whatever the, this is or this kid, uh, you know, get get to wherever it's going. Uh, what what transpired after that?
1: Well, um, we tried, like I said, um, Tina is a mother. Her kids are grown. They live elsewhere. But we tried to do the, the parenting thing uh, with the kid or with the child and everything we tried seemed to have a negative effect and by negative effect i mean we would talk in the direction we thought the spirit was like hey you know this is keith and tina's home you're sort of welcome here but you know you need to go into the light um follow the light is there anything you want why are you here um And then the response would be a loud bang like boom 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 and you cannot pinpoint the direction this bang came from except it came from within the house and you were like oh okay that's not the response we were promised from reading on the internet okay maybe we're doing this wrong so we would try again in different parts of the house and the response would always be loud bangs so now one night, I think Tina was upstairs. I was downstairs and she was watching TV in bed and I hear this loud bang, but this time it's not the spirit, it's the door slammed to the master bedroom. I rush upstairs and Tina's all frantic. She's like, that door just slammed on its own. That door just slammed on its own. Oh my God, I was in bed and that door just slammed. And that point on is when more door slams, Um, more loud bangs and then pottery i mean we're talking pottery like flower plants Um, all of tina's just started flying left and right in the house and i look at tina and i'm like i don't think this is a kid ghost but what what else can you do i mean we went back to the internet start talking to family and friends and the advice is pretty much the same well get the house blessed. We did that. Um, try to do some research on the house the property. We did that. See if anybody died in the house. And then the ultimate of smudging and saging, which I, um, I might tell you um, had a grossly negative effect because the activity would just escalate. I mean, by escalate, the objects that were being thrown were now larger. Uh, we're going from pottery to bar stool to iron and ironing board and keep in mind the iron and ironing board are being thrown while you're asleep i mean you're sleeping and you got an iron or ironing board at the foot of the bed or whatever in your room and you hear this loud crash you wake up turn the lights on your iron board was once over here it's now over there um so yeah that was pretty unnerving
0: I mean, how are, how are you guys handling this at that point? I mean, this is almost kind of getting, even if these things are not being thrown directly at you, I mean, the thought's got to be going through your mind that there's a physical danger here, possibly.
1: Yeah, and that's um, when the iron and iron, when objects start being thrown within our vicinity, like the throne to get our attention as well as to unnerve us, keep in mind, we had a interesting housewarming party two to three months after we moved in and we had friends over and they start seeing objects thrown Tina's friends uh, when the party was over stayed behind and helped us clean up and they saw plants fly left to right so yeah we were started to equate that I don't think this spirit number one is friendly I don't think it likes us being here, but we we, we maintain a calm demeanor, me and Tina. I mean, we were frantic when the activity broke out, especially while sleeping. But at the same time, we would rush to the situation and discern it and say, there's gotta be a logical explanation to mitigate to where we lessen the activity. Um, Because that's the advice we've we've been given by clergy, by priests, by um, churches, And by our friends, nobody's screaming yet, run for the hills. Even though you feel like you want to do that when a large object goes whistling by you. But um, yeah, it was very unnerving. I then told Tina one night after a door slammed uh, while we were both chit-chatting in bed, a door, uh, the bedroom door slammed on us as a means of telling us to shut up. Uh, I looked at her and I'm like, I don't think the house is haunted or I don't think they're haunting the house. I think they're haunting us, you know, because everything that we witness and see seems to be deliberate. I mean, most haunted houses that I understand, you go in, you hear a crook, a cranny, a noise, ah, the house is haunted, you know, but these things are happening in the rooms that we're in. It's like they're trying to unnerve us, and at that time, we didn't know why.
0: And this is a rental, correct? So you don't actually own the property.
1: Yeah, this is a rent. Yeah, okay. yeah, this is a rental. We signed a two-year uh, rental agreement. Yeah.
0: So, did at any point at the beginning here, did you reach out to the person you're <clears throat> renting from, the landlord, and say,
1: "Hey, uh, plants are flying around, and other stuff is <laughs> flying around the house"? I, 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 I did. I yeah. did not tell them plants were flying. What I, because I, I mean, we're relatively new to the paranormal. We really like the house and I really didn't want him to lose confidence in his tenants by saying, hey, we got plants flying here, dude. And <laughs> the guys think, oh, these guys are crazy. Yeah. And well, who, who, who have I brought it to my home? But I did because I'm an, i I'm a PM manager and I know how to ask questions and get an answer. So I asked the question, um, hey, uh, like the house i just had some questions was there ever anything going on at the house did any previous tenant ever speak to you about weird noises and he replied weird noises like well, what are you talking about Um, like occasional bang here and there coming out the attic i was trying to feed him a little information to see what he divulge any information but he, he kept it pretty close to the chest because he would be like no my." my Previous tenants said the house was fine, nothing. Um, you want me to bring somebody up there and inspect the attic? Maybe there's a you know a raccoon up there. I'm like, Oh yeah, sure, if you, if you can do that and you know, that'd be that'd be great. Um, and then I asked, Well, how about previous tenants? Anybody ever come to you? Any any deaths, anything extreme? And he's like, No, no. So so yeah, we, we talked in those terms and then as the activity escalated, um, I started keeping documentation of when activity would break out i started photographing uh putting up cameras installing a security system because now we're mid-summer of that same year um we're waking up me and tina sometime the front door is open or all the kitchen cabinet doors are open or the garage doors open so i had adt security come in and set up a state-of-the-art home monitoring on every window and every door in the house and um, did that as a means of okay we need to know what doors are open when and where and every time a door opens or close uh, a little AI voice comes on that says front door open or back door open if me or Tina are leaving the house to say dump the trash or something but that really helped us have somewhat of a peace of mind because it did stop the doors front doors and back doors from being open when you wake up in the morning but um, yeah more electronics was brought in by me as a means of trying to capture the phenomena because I knew the damage and and the damage was starting to be done to the house I'm gonna have some explaining to do to the owner because now we got objects flying, and when they hit the walls, they're leaving golf ball size holes in them. Yeah.
0: So when you you put the the security monitoring up, it, it it slowed down the the occurrences or the the frequency the occurrences of the things
1: happening. Uh, yes and no. Um, it slowed down some, and by some I mean the front door and the back door or garage door being open. I mean you sleep it's a two story house, you get up to go work in the morning. The last thing you wanna see when you come down for coffee is your front door wide open. I mean, that's just the ultimate vulnerability. I mean, and that happened a lot. And um, so that that it stopped that because spirits were like, well, he's got the AD security system. It's gonna tell him the minute we pop open the door. But it did not stop the other phenomena and actually it made some escalate because I, did, I know now what I didn't know then, um, once I started putting cameras in the home, oh, that was just more toys for the spirits. I mean, you're talking about electrical equipment. Um, they started manipulating those, um, stealing them, unplugging them, uh, turning them around. Um, and some were just taken, outright taken, and are still missing to this day. <sighs>
0: So you get the cameras up and you start monitoring this stuff there's a shift in, in the paradigm of exactly what's happening but what what continues on in the house after that
1: uh now we i mean the late summer of 2012 i mean a lot more loud bangs more objects being thrown um shadowy figures at the corner of of your eye um door slams and believe it or not um The first Bible, the one that caught fire in 2014, went missing actually late summer, early fall of 2012. Because one of the advices given was we have to display our religious beliefs openly. We're gonna get these spirits out of here. We need to be more proactive in our religious paraphernalia. So I started putting Bibles, Bibles that I own, I had to go out and buy and I already own these Bibles, out on coffee tables, on bookshelves, and that had a negative effect because it would throw them down, hurl them across the room. I'm talking about the Bibles or the candles or the crosses. And then one night, um, Tina was out of town of business, and I put one of the Bibles on the lamp table in the living room downstairs, and I went to bed. Well, when I woke up that morning um, to go to work, the first thing I, when I walked out of my bedroom was look toward that table, and the Bible was gone. I mean, this was August, September of 2012. And a few months after that, um, the activity in the entire house just died down. I mean, we had zero activity. Everything tapered off about a few months after the Bible went missing. And believe it or not, all of 2013, there was no activity that I could, you know, wave a candle at. There was really nothing to really say something is still here. It felt like it at times, but nothing physical. And we thought we won. We thought we had won the battle. Um, if all I lost was a car key and Tina's jewelry and silverware and a Bible, then we came out good. High five. Yeah. Um,
0: at What moment here did you make the realization, uh, or maybe you didn't yet, that there's something you know there's the world of ghosts which seem to be people you know the thought first was it was a child um but you know there were people at one time to something a lot more sinister possibly demonic where it's it's being offended oh. by a bible what, what, what was that moment where you're like okay i don't think this is a ghost of a person i think there might be this might be something darker
1: that was the night that's a good question that was the night the first Bible went missing in 2012 before I laid the Bible out um, my co-workers and family and friends advised me you need to sage the house more Um, I went out and brought a sage stick and came home and smudged the upstairs and downstairs and I kid you not when I walked out of my bedroom with the sage stick uh, lit um, I got to the landing and all of a sudden, the front door opened on its own. And I don't mean gradually, I mean open wide and then slammed immediately shut. And I saw that with my own two eyes from the landing, because I can look straight up to my doorway from where I'm standing. I knew then, uh, well, I always had the feeling that we were not alone in the home. But when I saw the front door open and shut, that sent the message home to me that there's something nefarious here um, because that was a lot me I'm a big guy I couldn't slam the door that hard the way way I just witnessed it rattled the whole house Um, the message that seemed to be sent from that door opening and closing was we don't approve of you saging we didn't authorize it and there's going to be a price to pay and I did stop saging after that. I set the sage stick down and migrated to the Bible and put the Bible on the uh, lampstand. And I kid you not, the next morning the Bible was gone. Um, and then two months after that, the activity sort of tapered off. Yeah. And me and Tina always had a discussion in 2013 13 of are they here, are they dormant? Did we win? Did we kick them out? Um, Tina was more inclined to think, I hope we won. I hope we kicked them out. Me, because I'm just wired and analytical that way. I cannot pinpoint to anything we did specifically that would have kicked them out. But a victory is a victory, right? But it was still keeping me up at night as to saying, well, what, what finally made them leave? And... I kid you not when they came back in 2014 um, they came back with a vengeance and they bought their friends
0: what happened in 2014 what was the first sign that they were back
1: uh, well January 2nd of 2014 I had a mysterious fall down the stairs so bad that I tore my right patella tendon I was coming downstairs for a glass of water and I can't remember whether I was pushed or slipped. Um, EVPs two years later later revealed that the spirits pushed me because we got that on EVP where they admitted to doing so. But I was laid up from January up until March of that year. So now I'm homebound. I'm upstairs bound, Tina's going to work and I'm in a cast, legs straight. And I started hearing these noises in the house like I heard in 2012. Uh, like somebody rummaging through the kitchen, somebody going from bedroom to bedroom, closing doors, opening doors. This is right outside my bedroom, mind you. And then I kid you not, around mid-March to early April, me and Tina were asleep one night. The house felt really dense. It felt really, I mean, the mood of the whole house had changed and we were sleeping and all of a sudden we hear this loud crash. I mean, it felt like a plane had just come through the roof. Um, but the noise was right outside our door. It's in the hallway. So we rush out, and there's this armoire that's sat in the hallway. It's one of Tina's. And it's now on the other side of the hallway. This armoire has been thrown uh, from one side of the hall to the other. And it's, you know, le- it left a gash in the wall based on the fact that it, it landed and penetrated the wall. And then after that, that night, matter of fact, the bangs are back. Boom, boom, boom. Plants being thrown. I mean, we're back to where we left off in 2012. Um, Light fixtures, you know, you have the light fixtures, those porcelain domes over the light bulbs. um, Exploded. Uh, You're talking about bar stools and chairs being thrown again chairs sliding across the floor uh, the stomping, uh, the knocking the, with a uh, lot of knocking behind the wall on the wall, ceiling but I, I mean the most horrible thing for sound wise is those loud bangs, I mean they're very loud and you can almost set your watch to them because they would happen after 8pm almost every night and friends would come over. Some never came back. But you would hear these bangs, and yeah, they they, they, they were back now. They were they were back. Um, they were mad, and that's when we started um, contacting paranormal teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the activity got so bad. Um, I call, it's called the Katy Perry weekend. There's a there's a portion of my book where I describe the Katy Perry weekend where. You have, from Friday to Sunday, this unrelenting activity. And the reason why I call it Katy Perry Weekend is because that Friday night, um, I was in my office. And Tina, I believe, was downstairs. And the TV in our bedroom was coming on. And every time it came on, it came on playing that Katy Perry song titled Dark Horse. Go figure. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know the lyrics to that song, but the verse it kept playing over and over because we came to the bedroom, TV's on, playing music. I look at Tina, did you turn the TV on? No, I came in the room after you did. I turn the TV back off, we go back to our respective uh, places. Five minutes later, TV comes on again. It's playing the same song. I uh, look at Tina, she look at me. I knew then, oh, the ghosts are doing this. is This is paranormal related. So I turn the TV off and I unplug it. All right? That'll stop that, Mr. Ghost. Do something now. Go back to my office. Tina goes back downstairs. Five minutes later, the TV comes on, blasting again, the Katy Perry song. Go into the bedroom. TV's not even plugged in now okay the chord is laying on the floor and music and katy perry is blasting through the tv and it's playing the lyrics dark horse for you know this we're talking about 15 minutes has now transpired and the only part that is playing of that song or when the tv comes on is are you ready for the perfect storm the lyrics go something to the effect of you're ready for the perfect storm, the perfect storm. Uh, it's about to be on now because once you're mine, once you're mine, there's no turning back. And that's what it was singing through the TV. And that was Friday night. And I, and I, and I, and I looked at Tina, she looked at me, I'm like, something's going to go down. This is, and it did. Friday night, Saturday night. Saturday was so bad, that's when we had to get in contact with the paranormal team who did come out to the house sunday uh we finally reached somebody sunday after all that activity i'm talking about explosions objects being thrown loud bangs very little sleep and the house was a mess i mean it was broken glass you have to almost wear steel toe boots to walk through the house and this team came over sunday and things sort of quailed down but Sunday night, early Monday morning, uh, if if, if, the, if there ever was an icing on the cake of Katy Prairie weekend, it would have to be 1.34 a.m. Monday because me and Tina are asleep and the fire alarm in the house goes off.
0: That wraps up part one of our interview with Keith Linder about the Bothell Hell House. We're just getting started. Don't miss part two. On Patreon, as we continue our conversation and ask the question to Keith of how did he have so much patience to stay in the house? Was there any evidence found as to why this house felt so demonic? What was it like when Keith talked to the clergy about his experience? And what was the land before the house was built? And why might something not want humans to live there? What happened to Keith and his girlfriend mentally as the dark forces went into overdrive How did the demonic force set fire to a Bible and cross at the same time? And were the dark spirits ever removed from the home? We'll discuss all that in part two. You can listen to it at patreon.com slash thegravetalks or go to our website, thegravetalks.com and click on the Patreon link. For $5 a month, you'll have access to our exclusive part two to all of our interviews, as well as advanced content of the show. You'll get to hear interviews months and weeks before they're ever released to the public. That $5 a month is what supports the show and keeps it on the air. If you enjoy The Grave Talks, please consider supporting it and allowing us to continue to do this show for you. Until next time, for The Grave Talks, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening.